Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman with you on a Monday morning. We are glad to be with you here one week after Thanksgiving in the Egg Bowl. Football season officially, the regular season anyway, officially over. So now we move into the postseason. We are glad you're sticking it out with us. Plenty to talk about today and all this week uh, for sure. We want to thank you guys for tuning in, especially the servicemen and women who take care of us across the globe. Hope you were able to make it home for the holidays and maybe get a little more R&R and stay home till Christmas. We hope so. All right. We've got to talk about our sponsors real quick. Strange Brew Coffee House and Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. You don't want to not be with them this this morning. This has been the holiday weekend, that long weekend. You need that extra shot of something to get you back into work mode. Stop by Strange Brew and get that. For you. And of course, Joel and I are going to stop by there because we, we evidently, Joel is loading up over there. People can't stop buying Joel T. Coleman coffees. Thanks for us. The 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 T stands for the free coffee. <laughs> Saw Russ in there yesterday. He I got through the window. Mm-hmm. We we saw each other. Like yeah. he had just bought me one. Yeah. And and didn't know I was coming. And then I come up to the drive-through window. There he is. And uh, so anyway, I messaged him via Facebook Messenger. Yeah. Uh, after I pulled away, headed to a family Thanksgiving, and uh, his only request was that I you had to slap, slap me. You. Well, that's his request that's going to go so, unfulfilled. Uh, not only did I tell him I would, I told him I might do it twice. Oh! So, I mean... Well, that just means I'm going to have to pile up a couple more appetizers on you. <laughs> By the way, how did that finish? Let me I think. don't know. There were no upsets, right? Well, I, I had Auburn, I think. You did have Auburn? Yeah. So, seven. there were, there were eight games. So, I would have finished 15 games up. Ah, oh, is it right or is it 14? Either way, who cares? That's the biggest ass whipping in the history of this competition. Let's see, you were what? You were up eight, right? Yeah. So if you'd have got, I got Missouri, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, uh, Clemson, and LSU. So you got six. Is that right? There's, there's one more I'm missing. Louisville, Kentucky. Did I get? That I got one? Kentucky. You got Kentucky. I got Kentucky. Uh, so you got seven on. So that would have been fifteen. So you're fourteen games. So fourteen. Still. Yeah. That that's a squash match, my friend. Yep. That's King Kong Bundy versus the local talent. Yeah. the The difference in the in the uh, whole shebang though was that was it like week ten? Whenever we had like four different. It was that separation nothing, Saturday. Nothing. Went I got all four. I got all four. So for the rest of the way, I had to do stupid stuff, and that's what happened. And look where stuff. that got you. Yeah. So. Well, it's going to get me fed. It's just <laughs> going to be on my dime, and it is. yours is going to be on my dime. Yeah. And, all right. We're going to leave that restaurant fulfilled. We are. We are. You can leave Strange Brew Coffee House or Churn and Spoon Ice Cream fulfilled whenever you go by. Also, our good friends over at College Corner. Hopefully, you visited them this Black Friday and got some uh, great deals. And it's Cyber Monday, so why not go online and see what you can find today at uh, collegecornerstore.com or visit either of their two locations in the Capital City area over in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet or in Flowood by the Half Shell and get that MSU fan. Now, now's the time to start putting the MSU stuff out. Why, you ask? Well, because the Golden Egg is in Starkville. That means you got to let people know. And I'm not saying you need to be obnoxious about it, but I'm saying you need to be obnoxious about it. So hopefully some people did some mooring. We're going to call it mooring or Elijah-ing. What are we calling it? You know, we had Wallacing. What are, what are we calling it this time around? That's a good question. I think we call it mooring. And, you uh, you know, if you want to take those pictures, especially on your neighbor's lawn, if you're going to get your actual dog to do it, even better. <laughs> I still can't believe that. I still can't Never believe an egg bowl was decided by a guy acting like he was peeing. Urination just... simulation. <laughs> That's what we're calling it now. I, I, I want the referee to have to go back in time and say that and be like, 
15 yards for urination simulation. What's the hand signal for that? Hmm? Or is it just uh, a leg you, signal? You just hike you, your leg. Hike your leg, yeah. yeah. yeah the leg goes out. It's kind of like the uh, roughing the kicker. Or yeah. running, except you, except you go, go, the, go the other way. You go a little further out. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that was the news of uh, the Friday show. Weird to be doing a show on a Monday after a football game and we're not doing I thought things, about that when I pulled up. I was like, things that. are true. Nope. Well, done, done well, but here's something that is but true. But you can go back and listen to things that are true if you've not already done so. Or if you have already done so, I think it was a kind of entertaining show, so you may want to go back and listen to it. It was good. Anyway. It was good. But that said, I'll tell you one thing that is true, and that is that Joe Moorhead is going to be the head coach of Mississippi State in the 2020 season. Uh, I, based on what we've been told, Joel, I think what we said last week was correct when we talked about cheering for Mississippi State to lose or however you want to put that, you know, hoping State would lose. I think that he was going to come back regardless. I think that's the the impression I've gotten from the from what I've heard and from what you've heard, the information I have, I feel like they were leaning that way one way or the other. I I think so. Where I will where I will differentiate maybe a t- a touch. Okay. Um is that I think there was a scenario where the Egg Bowl could have cost him his job. I agree. I think it would have had to have been an Egg Bowl that State was embarrassed in. Yes. Not just on the scoreboard. But but personal fouls, right. unsportsmanlike conduct, just out of control. Yeah. Like, I, I think there was a scenario that could have been painted where, whether it was a performance or off-the-field stuff or a combination thereof, he would have been gone. But look, and this isn't, I'm not trying to get into a... Uh, argument in any way with Steve Robertson here, but I think he tweeted something to the effect of that um, the administration were happy with the performance in the Egg Bowl, and they were. Don't don't misunderstand me, but I don't think that that, that was the reason why Joe Moorhead was retained. I, I think that that narrative is out there a little bit, that this was a Matt Luke situation, that Joe Moorhead won the Egg Bowl, and so John Cohen, oh, got to sign him back up. That isn't the impression I get from nobody, and I've talked to some folks that would know. So you could say that they're, you know, shooting me a load of crap. I guess you could you could make that argument, but I don't think they are. I, I, I agree with you in that Joe Moorhead, from at least the main decision makers, had support going going in, and by winning, it solidified that support. I think that's fair. You can disagree with that, but I don't think you will because I think we basically just said the same thing two different ways. But um, I don't think I don't think John Cohen ever really wanted to to get rid of Joe Moorhead. You think that's fair? I don't think, I think that's ever... fair. Very. I said it. Yeah. I said it all along. I said that John Cohen, being a former coach himself, was it would have taken something out of the ordinary to make him want to fire somebody after two seasons. I think John Cohen looks at his own coaching career at Mississippi State and think about the first two years of recovering from what Ron Polk, you know, had left and how he had to completely rebuild the program. Not that not that Joe Moorhead was in that situation at all. Yeah. Quite the opposite. I'm not gonna say I'm I'm not gonna talk about the mythology of the team, but that was a damn good team he had. Mm-hmm. But Cohen knows the ups and downs of coaching. He knows that in his ninth season he finished last in the SEC. You know, and that or I guess his eighth season, whatever it was. He, he understands the ebb and flow, and he I, it would have taken something. And that's why I kept saying, and that's I, – I, I never said anything different, I don't think, which was I think he's safe with a win and with a loss. He could go, but it's not 100%. And I, I, that was the point I kept making. And it seems like – it feels like I was right about that. It feels like you and I were right about that. 
But I, at one point, I was I, I felt like the, the closer it got, the more I felt like if they lose, that just may be the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of thing. Yeah. The closer it got to the game, particularly as it got into Thursday and some of the smoke appeared to have some fire to it a little bit. Um, all that said, though, you know, whether it's John or whether it's, uh, I mean, Dr. Keenum or somebody, I never really got the impression that either of those guys were very eager to make a move. Now, right. I'm not, I'm not no, saying right. I'm not saying that there wouldn't some people that contribute to Mississippi State that might have wanted to make a move. You know, I think that's probably the case. Um, and of course, I would think you know those people have at least some say when there's dollars involved. Money talks, you know. But yeah. I, I don't think that 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 the main folks making the decision ever really wanted to get rid of Joe. Now, the question I guess is. Since you made this move, were the people who wanted to see him go influential enough that this is going to be damaging to the program now going forward kind of thing? And I don't know the answer to that. So, I mean, we'll see. For me, my my thought process is that, for the most part, Mississippi State, and I'm going to have to take a little bit of a shot at Ole Miss here, but you look at Ole Miss and the way that some of the decisions are made up there, it's obvious that the people who make, who who are the big money people there, are more concerned with their own... uh, access to the program than anything else. And what I've always felt about Mississippi State is Mississippi State's big boosters are more concerned about Mississippi State. So my guess is there probably were some hurt feelings, but those people will suck it up, continue their support of the program. I could be wrong. You know, and I'll say I'll say this, the average fan is probably making decisions because we've discussed how awful the home slate is next year. Tickets don't seem to be getting any less expensive. Um, whereas staying at home just is what it is. And then you combine that with, like, the fan experience this year has not been great. And you part have, of that has to do with the the losing. Well, the losing bit, is I mean, one thing for sure. But when you get your first three home games are, are in the middle of August, September, yeah. and it's super hot, and then you get two night games in the coldest part of the year, you had, you know, the issues with the, the concessions the first game. You had, I mean, you, you saw the pictures of the lines from this last game. There's just a lot. There's just a lot of reasons, it seems, right now to stay home. Um, and I, you know, I get that, man. I get it. You know, you spend a lot of money on a 60, 70 inch television. You got beer in the fridge and food in the fridge. Your car's parked. You don't have to worry about those kind of things. No lines at the restroom. There ain't no line at the restroom in my house. I promise. Cause you know, hopefully you got more than one in your house, but even if you don't, it can't be a long wait. It's just, I get it. But Mississippi State has decided to, do you feel like it's a gamble? Am I saying that right? They've decided to take to gamble with for another year of Joe Moorhead. I mean, I, it's yes, but here's here's something that I'd like to point out. Okay. Everyone in in their mama that wants Joe Moorhead that wanted Joe Moorhead to be gone, just assume that's the answer. Yeah. Just assume you get rid of Joe Moorhead. Oh, problem solved. Manna from heaven. You know, it's just going to be a great day in 2020, and all of our issues are gone. Who's to say the next guy you bring in here doesn't suck, too? That's the thing about Mississippi State. And, and, and you're never going to really be able to hire a sure thing. Like, the surest thing State ever hired was Jackie Sherrill, a proven winner at a at another program. And he was only available because of he had NC, some NCAA baggage. Right? Under normal circumstances, State doesn't hire Jackie Sherrill because he's still winning at Texas A&M. State's never going to hire a proven Power 5 head coach. That. 
It's just not going to happen unless it's just some unusual circumstances. If somebody like Chad Bumpus were to, in a couple of years become a proven Power 5 head coach, then yeah, you might be able to get him. Even a, pro- a proven group of 5 head coach is going to be tough at some times. Like right now, if you're Mike Norvell, are you better off? I mean, he makes $2.8 million a year at Memphis. Aren't you better off, you know, sort of maybe waiting out some other big job than putting your, your luck at Mississippi State or Even Arkansas? if you're not, let's say Mike Norvell decided he wanted to come to Starfield. There's no guarantee he's going to come there's here. No and have success. Right. There's no guarantee, right? There's no that, guarantee that Billy Napier or whoever you want to throw right. in the in the seat was going to have success. People, I think, work themselves up that just change was absolutely the answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that not changing is the answer either. We might be sitting here a year from now having things that are true and it's bash Joe Moorhead season again. I don't know. We we, we don't know. But no matter what went down, it was a gamble. So Mm -hmm. back to your original question, is it a gamble? Yeah, as it would have been to fire him too. I kind of feel like it, this is the safer route to go, kind of. There's there's something to be said for that. Because uh, you have the devil you know versus the devil yes, you don't. Yes, you have the quarterback that look Garrett Trader. Say what you will. I don't know about everybody on that team, but I know Garrett Trader wants Joe Moorhead to be the he head does. coach of Mississippi State. And if he's going to be your starting quarterback and he's going to lead the troops, you might want to have a quarterback that's in love with the head coach a little bit there. Yeah. That, that 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 is a fan and that can kind of be kind of the middleman, I guess, between the coach and the, the offense. and it, it, You might want that relation. So I, I do think this is kind of the the safer route, for sure. Mm-hmm. That, now, safe isn't always good. Right. I get that. No, you're right. But I guess my point is, everyone got so worked up on Thanksgiving that wanted Joe Moore had gone, that, yeah, he's going to be gone no matter what. It was like a party. that I think people forget that there was – I can sit here and make you a really compelling argument for why Joe Moorhead should have been gone, mm-hmm. but I can make you a really compelling argument for why he should stay, too. Right. And and I, I think people have the inability to see both sides. No, they definitely I, I don't do. Know, I don't know if it's twenty the year 2019 and you just can't kind of sit in the middle for a second. You have to take a, a, a polar approach one yeah. side or the other. But, folks, th- there are legitimate arguments here both ways. And... and for the life of me, I can't understand why why some people look at this and are just completely sold that now the program is, is in an irrecoverable spot. Right. Well, here's the thing. People say, you know, you're falling further behind. Behind who? Behind Ole Miss? You're not behind Ole Miss at all. If anything, you're ahead of Ole Miss because I'll, I'd be willing to almost guarantee that in October of next year, Ole Miss has a different head coach. And, and there is part of the risk here. Yeah. If Joe comes back next year, mm-hmm. or well, he is coming back this year, next year at this point, when Joe comes back next year, if State stinks, mm-hmm. and you do have to can him next year. That, if, if he stinks he, next year. He goes year, into 2020 fully aware of what the situation is. Yes. There is no question at the end of 2020, if at the end of November of 2020, State is 5 and 7 or worse. He's even at 6 and 6. 6 and 6 he's, maybe. He's probably, you know, especially if the offense hasn't taken a gigantic step forward. But then in that instance, cuz Luke, I would bet a lot of money he's not going to survive next year. Look at look at their schedule, you know, if you don't believe that. So you might run into a situation now by keeping Joe where both State of Mississippi SEC schools are looking for a head coach at the same time, right. and I don't know if that's a great situation to be in. Right, it's it's not it's it's can be dangerous because you're competing with the, you're the competing folks with up the, the road. Guys. But what I'm going to try to say here is this: so you say okay, you're falling behind. Your 
Mississippi State's always going to be behind Texas A&M, LSU, Auburn, Alabama. Always, under all circumstances. Yeah, you're always fighting yeah. and looking up. It's I, just, it's just a question of how close can you get. Yeah. Not, and that, being behind as a program doesn't mean you can't beat them. All right, You look at Auburn next season, right? Coming to Starkville, they lose almost everybody off that defense. There's a, there, that's a game, that's a possible win for Mississippi State, assuming that Joe Moorhead is able to improve the offense. But that doesn't mean Mississippi State's ahead of Auburn as a program. If two coaches have, if a coach has to choose between those two programs, he will always choose Auburn. It's just the way that it is. But you know, I don't feel like you're falling behind any worse. I think what your your biggest concern is is having a losing season, and that's what I'm worried about with Joe Moorhead. Does Joe Moorhead have some repairing to do? Big time. That speech that he gave. Yes. It, a lot of people are pissed off. Yeah. A lot of people. I mean, he basically told everybody. That didn't like. That didn't like him. That they could go kick, kick rocks and pound, pound sand. sand. Exactly. And a lot of, I mean, I got a lot of social media engagement saying, I guess I'm going to go pound sand for the next year. I'm going to go kick rocks. <coughs> and yeah, if he, I, here's the thing, I don't know, like, what do you say? Well, he can he come out and apologize? Say, look, in the heat of the moment, I said some things I shouldn't have said. I, I don't think he'll do that. And I don't know that it, it would come off as genuine. I keep thinking back to that post game presser when he said that. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was talking to the fans that are disgruntled, or do you think he's talking to? I, look, I, I'm not saying that this is a, officially happened. I'm not reporting this or whatever. But say some of those big money folks would have liked to have gotten rid of Joe, mm-hmm. and that was the folks he was talking to—the folks that were trying to drag him out of there. That's possible. And, and he's not really talking to the general fan base there. He's talking to some of the people that were trying to get him out, assuming that there were people trying to get him out. Right. Uh, do you think maybe that's the case kind of thing? And like, and then some other fans just kind of, it was a shoe fit a little bit situation because they wanted him gone too. And so Could they've kind of taken it. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm not saying any of that's definite or right, whatever. We don't I'm, just, know. I'm just spitballing yeah. on all that. But I, I do feel like, regardless of how you want to shake it out, and I don't know if he will ever address it, but I, he's got, he's got a little repairing to do. Now, when, you know what? Winning cures all ills. Mm-hmm. He comes out next year and pops to eight and four, nine and three. Lord have mercy, ten and two or something. Nobody's going to care that he told him to pound sand twelve months before. I don't think. So, right there's that. Too. Oh yeah, you can talk to people like that when you're winning big. Yeah, Saban can come out and tell, call it. Well, maybe Saban's not the best example today. Yeah, Ed Orgeron <laughs> could come out and just tell all the LSU fans, "I actually hate you. I hate all of you, and I hate your guts." And they'd be like, "Well, we don't care. You're twelve and zero." So. This has been one of the most unique things I've ever covered. It has been. And, and, and you I know, mean, the, the question Tyler Hork asked was very fair on, on Thursday. And Joe is smart enough. I mean, he's, he, he has to, he can't come out and be like, yeah, I saw it too. I get that. But he's smart enough that he knew what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I was refreshing six pack. So yeah. <laughs> what, if, what if he just said that? Well, he was using people, you know, to float ideas. Uh, if he had, but he he answered the question the right way. I thought, and I think he answered your question the right way. You know, that, that's the way those questions are going to get answered. It, it was a very, it's a very unique situation that we're that we're in right now. That you have a coach that is back for another season and has the potential. You know, if he if he can figure some things out, they're a pretty successful year next year. But his fan base right now, this is a divided fan base. There's no question about that. There are there are a large number of Mississippi State fans 
who don't like Joe Moorhead. It's and, almost like the political landscape a little bit. It really <laughs> is. It really is. If, <laughs> I'd like to see Moorhead start t- tweeting out stuff. Season ticket sales are doing great. People talking about it are sad. You know, just start doing the full Trump. Uh, fake news. Yes, the fake news. You and I could be part of the fake news media. Um, what's Moorhead's first? What's the first thing he needs to do this offseason? Outside of recruiting, you know, what's the first, what, what, staff changes? What does he need to do to, to guarantee that next year is a, su- a successful one? You know, I'll I'll walk through this, and I don't know what order you go in here. I really do feel like he apology may be the right wrong word to say here. It may not be the, the right way to say it. I really do feel like one thing he needs to do in bowl prep, maybe the first time we, we talk to him, you know, perhaps I ask a question that, that gives him the opportunity to do so. But I really do feel like he kind of needs to walk back a little bit of what he said on, in the post-egg bowl thing. Okay. I, I, I don't know that apology, like I said, the right. maybe clarification or, you know, it, what I said, I, you know, I, I didn't mean to – step on anybody to, but then again maybe he did mean every word of it so yeah. i i don't know maybe there's no apology to issue maybe he stands here today and stands behind every word he said i don't know but i know that a lot of people that love mississippi state didn't like what they heard and uh so i think i personally if i'm going to be the head coach of the university i want kind of everybody pulling in the same direction a little bit there i think I, i'd do that but from a from an off the field standpoint i mean i to me, when I look at Mississippi State, the biggest problem moving forward is you is the receiver group. Period. I don't know what you do over the course of the. I mean, you, you got to make sure you get your signing class in and things. And, uh, but I think Michael Johnson's a good coach. Yeah. I, I don't think you do anything with that. Uh, when I look at this team though, and I look at that offense, and I look at what's the problem that. I, I think you might do a full court press to try and make sure that Willie Gay and Errol Thompson and mm-hmm. and some. Of, I, I think Cam Dancer well, may, may be gone. I think. He, well, I mean, I've seen some mock yeah. drafts of him as a first rounder. So yeah, yeah. So, but but he'll. I mean, he'll he'll go through the process. He'll he'll get his grade. Yeah. And if it's, it is what it is, though, he's going. And to be it. fair, if Kylan Hill gets a good grade, he should go. I. But I don't know that he will. So it depends on why how he grades out and stuff. But we've said a million times as a running back, if you can go. Go get paid while you can get paid, right? Because there's certain. Well, I mean, I believe that for everybody. Yeah, not just Kyle. Right. Um, but I, I do think that you need to kind of talk to those guys and make sure they make a good decision. You know, you don't make them make a you don't make a selfish decision. Be like, no, I got to try and pull those guys back and the heck with them. I mean, if they need to go, they need to go. But try to make sure they make good decisions. Um, and if they come back, that obviously helps. Uh, th- those are just some things that stand out. I mean, the, the you, Joey you, Jones you, you, thing. Yeah, that's, that's the first. That's, that's, that's the, the first obvious. order of business, in my opinion. But and, I don't. Know and that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take that spot, and I'm, I'm not going to worry so much about special teams coaching, because that's something that can be done. I mean, special teams is. is so, so you would do that before the bowl game, like this. Oh night. no, no, no! You're going to. Well, keep, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Huh? But, but, but once you're ready in the off season, uh, I mean, you could do it. But is I'm going to hire a young recruiter? Recruiter. And put him in that spot. My, honestly, and I'm, I'm probably biased because he's my friend, but Chad, Chad. Bumpus is going to be one of the first people I call. Somebody like that. who, if, Especially if you can get a former player, but somebody who's been recruited in this state and understands recruiting in Mississippi, that's who I'm going to get. And, you know, I'm going to figure it out from there. You know, you want to lock up, keep Shoop around. Is there a potential for an offensive coordinator addition? Would, it, would Joe Moorhead 
pluck Joe Brady from LSU because he is not their offensive coordinator. He makes four hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm sure they said they're willing to, to to pay more than they can. And if they decide to outbid Mississippi State, there's just nothing you can do about that. But don't you at least make the call down there and be like, hey, come up here, and I mean, I don't know what you which how you do it, but you know, we'll give you a million some change. To work, and you know, he was going to work for a coach he obviously respects. That sounds like a great idea. Mm-hmm. I just don't think it would happen because I don't think it will either. But because Joe, I would, I would, I would do it though. You know, Joe had Getsy last year, and he was O coordinator in title only, basically. And but apparently, if you'll remember back, our good friend Will Salmon mm-hmm. uh, wrote that article back before the season about how. Uh, this year, you know, Joe was moving back kind of to the front of the table and kind of taking over his offense kind of thing. I just – I don't feel like he's going to hand the keys – I don't feel like he's going to go from, like, Getsy kind of being semi-offensive coordinator to, no, nah, I want to call the shots to, no, nah, let's hand the keys over to somebody after all. Like, it feels like you're doing, like, sort of a Gus Malzahn kind of thing. Yeah. Though, you're sort of going back and forth. I don't, I don't know, but it, that is a move that – it's a move that Mike could take some heat off Joe if that, the offense it's, stunk. It's two prong. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but if the offense stunk, it's going to be on him. It's a two prong move in that a, it, it allows you to hire. First of all, you weaken a rival. Uh, it allows you to hire a coach that is you know considered one of the hottest coaches in the country. I mean, it looks good for the program to see Joe Brady, who is likely going to be the Broyles Award winner, uh, to come to Mississippi State. But it also. I'm trying to figure out exactly how to put this, but from a per- perception standpoint, and as we all know, perception is reality. Doesn't it look like he's he's at least trying to do something? Yeah. Like okay, he went out and got Joe Brady. He's, you know, you you get you get seven months of well, the offense will surely be better because Joe Brady will be here. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Brady's gonna be the guy. You know, he'll be the guy behind the guy, and they'll figure it out. Now the question is, you know, where do you put him? Like. You don't have room unless the NCAA is going to hire that new, you know, allow that new staff member. I don't know where you're putting him, you know, unless, you know, I don't think Andrew Briner's leaving uh, anytime soon. Well, so. if Joey Jones is leaving, then you but could. Then, but then what are you doing, though? Bump, I don't know. Tony Hughes, a special teams coach kind of deal and figure yeah, something out that way. I mean, you could, you could rearrange the deck chairs. You could. That's not a, that's not a bad point. You could, you could make Michael Johnson like wide receivers and tight ends Cause, or something. Cause Tony, yeah. Cause Tony Hughes could. Cannon has done pretty much all of it. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's some options there. That I mean, it would be a smart move. Will they do it? I, I don't know. I would probably put the the percentages at less than twenty percent that that happens. Especially since LSU is going to want to keep yeah. Joe Brady on. Board. I, I'll tell you what. I would love to have been a fly on the wall of that of this I don't meeting, know, three four hour long meeting that they yeah. had on Saturday. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, with uh, you know, Cohen and Morehead and just administration. I always Moorhead. feel so like I, the, I would love to know what was said, like what changes might need to be made. That would have been very intriguing to hear how that went. To me, the most in, in, informative thing would have been this: Who came to the table with the plan? Because if Joe Moorehead sat down with John, he's like, "Look, I know things did not work out this year, but don't. Worry, this is my plan to fix them." And he laid out, "We're going to do this, this, and this." That's good news to me. But if the plan's the other way, it's like John sitting there like, John, Joe, things did not work out this year. You're going to have to do this, this, and this. I don't like that. Yeah. For two reasons. One, I, and I don't think that happened because John Cohen, again, being a former coach, is not likely. Can you imagine Scott Strickland sitting down with John Cohen when he was a coach and being like, I need you to do this, this, and this? Cohen would have just been like, well, no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, I think John Cohen is a guy who would respect a coach enough to know I'm not going to meddle in his program. But I, I also think that John Cohen knows that Joe Moorhead would probably just have said no. 
and it wouldn't have. John Cohen's not strike me as a time waster. Well, I mean, if, as an AD, if you're gonna, I mean, if you're gonna meddle with somebody's program and tell them how they they should do it, then I mean, you can hire anybody to do that. I mean, you, you hired the man to to run the program. Now, yeah. whether you like how he's doing it or not, if you don't like how he's doing you it, make then the bigger move. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you let him run his show until it's not his show anymore. Is the route I think I would take in the route I think Cohen probably took. Um, because don't misunderstand any John Cohen likes Joe Moorhead. Yeah. Like, folks, when, whenever Joe got off the podium after winning the egg the other night and did his spiel and things and all that whole nine yards, those two kind of embraced for a second yeah. before Joe walked back out the door. Yeah. And Cohen quickly followed him before anybody could really get to him. Um, which I don't blame. He, he couldn't comment anyway. And right. he wouldn't have commented. And, uh, and, and I don't think he commented in part because there were some egg bowl variables. You know, I, I want to. I, I don't want to that my earlier comments to to sound like that the egg bowl didn't matter at all because it absolutely it mattered. I don't know that just the score mattered though. There there were some other intangible things. Yeah. So he had to wait until the egg bowl dust was settled, and I think he wanted to wait until they met on Saturday before he said any anything at, at all. Very fair and. Uh, and so anyway, it wasn't long after that for for info started to kind of after that meeting for info kind of started to leak out and um I think it's a very defensible decision to keep Joe Moorhead. I know there are people that don't like it. There's also, like I said earlier, an argument to why he shouldn't come back. I I, I agree. There there's some eye test things. There were games where state looked unprepared. Um the offense has been a train wreck. Um, very inconsistent for two years. We can sit here and, and go through all of it, but there's arguments on both sides. And at the end of the day, the leadership said, we're going to ride this out for another year and see what happens. And I'm not convinced that Joe Moorhead can't come out and win eight games next year. Right. You know, I mean, I some people just think that's impossible. Right. I don't think that it is. I think with what you bring back defensively, if you can be better on offense – you can win seven to eight games. But you've got to be better on offense, and that is 100% in, in Joe Moorhead's court. That ball is in his court. Yeah. So let's ask the big question now, which is this. If Joe Moorhead fails, and he's 5-7, and 4-8 next year, is State hiring a new athletic director to go with the new head football coach? Has John Cohen tied his fate to Joe Moorhead? Kind of feels like it, doesn't it? How can it not? Because you, you could have made the move this year and it would have been a popular one, it feels like. Here's, and, where, and, here's where I think Cohen may be okay. I think the guy above him likes... Likes them both. I, I think the guy above him likes them both, I think. I, I, I'm speaking a little bit out of... I know more about John's relationship with, with Joe, or at least I feel like I do. I mean, they might could sit me down and tell me different. I, I, I feel like I, I'm more comfortable saying that, that John absolutely likes Joe. Yeah. I, I don't know... A hundred percent that Keenum does, but I feel like he does mm-hmm. from just other things that I've heard, mm-hmm. and so he kind of likes him. But so I don't necessarily know that he is, but it wouldn't shock me. I'll say that if, if things went south and Cohen's tied at the hip now with Joe and and both. And John has some man. things to take care of too. The, 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 yeah, yeah it's not just football fan, this fan experience thing has got to get better. You know, he's he's got to do a better job of that. That's that's the face of everything. Yeah, you know, especially when you're talking about. As bad as that schedule is, you got to convince. You're going to have to do a heck of a job in marketing to convince people to buy season tickets. It's going to be tough, 
and and I don't envy them that job. And it's going to start with, you know, hey, we know that we made some mistakes last year, so here's what we're going to do. I, I, I tell you one thing, the first thing I would do is I would not raise any prices of anything. You, you cannot raise the price of tickets this year. You cannot. You cannot raise the price of parking, nothing. Everything has to stay the same. And to be totally honest with you, it might be smart to, to drop a few dollars. Now, I don't know how much season tickets were this year. I assume they were probably around 240 bucks if I had to guess. 250 maybe. I don't know. I don't know the number. I'm just, and I'm just talking about just a ticket. I'm not talking about what you got to donate and all that other stuff. But it, it it wouldn't kill the university to drop the price thirty forty dollars, all right? You're not you're not you're not you're going to be okay if you do that. You know, budget budget accordingly, um, and then you know some some extra perks here and there. You're gonna have to. This is going to be sort of like a going out of business sale. Not that I'm saying Mississippi State football is going out of business, but there's going to have to be some perks. There's going you're going to have to convince people and give them some something a little bit more than what they expect to get them to buy tickets. Two things. That- the two biggest factors, though, Brian, are, are things that marketing and none of that control. Now, you have to do everything you just said. I'm not right. disputing that. But the two biggest things are the team has to win, and by doing so, hopefully you get better time slots. Cause right. If, I mean, if you're just sitting here playing, you know, what state's non-conference, you know, NC State at 11 a.m. That, that, your first game is going to be an 11 a.m. game. That yeah. first home game against New Mexico State. New Mexico, to, that's right. New Mexico State. That like, is going to be nothing you can do about that. Really. Nothing, nothing you can do. It's going to be an 11 a.m. game. In my, I mean, just looking at the schedule. Right? All right, you're at North Carolina State, so that is sort of inconsequential. Then you have Arkansas at home on September the 19th. That might be an 11 a.m. game. It just might. You might get lucky. I mean, it's, it's early enough. Yeah. And I don't know. Let me see. Yeah, we don't really know what the other. I mean, I guess we can let me find see, it. Let but. me see Arkansas schedule here for 2020. And I don't know who their their coach is yet. Obviously. Uh oh, they're going to be at least they're going to be 0 2. They play Nevada, who's a pretty decent team, and then they play. They're, then they're at Notre Dame, so they're one and one at best, but they're probably zero and two. Gee, Arkansas, man, it's gonna be that's just tough. So yeah, eleven a.m. Tulane at home. A lot of early games. That, this again. is some. This is something that the conference sort of needs to address, and we're gonna sort of go go a little different here. But it's just not that difficult to say. Look, we're gonna guarantee every team one September night game. It's just it's just not that difficult, and and then what and then what that means is and it, we also have to give every team an eleven a.m. game. So LSU is just gonna have to suck it up, and there's gonna be one game in September that's at eleven a.m. But they they you are, at least know that of the New Mexico Arkansas Tulane games, at least one is gonna be a night game. That when I say night, I mean night six o'clock. I'm not talking about four o'clock. Six o'clock kickoff, and if it has to be on the SEC alternate, who cares? Yeah. I don't think you would even care if it's like SEC plus. That's not yeah. going to happen. Probably. Who cares? Just put the game at night. All right. That 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 if I'm when they do the athletic directors meetings in the spring, that is like the first order of business for a lot of the schools. I think they, they, there's got to be some fairness and some way because it's not fair to your fans. Never mind the team and, and you know you want to have night games. It's just better atmosphere. It's just not. It's not safe. You know, and it sort of goes back to what I said. When the state was playing Southern in Kentucky and in, in in Kansas State in the weather, that we, we we stopped the game for thirty minutes because there's a lightning strike ten miles away. But we have no problem sending people out into the stands and onto the field in a hundred and fifteen degree heat. <laughs> you know, they're both equally dangerous. You know, just because that that's not it's not fair. So they've got to find a way to fix that. I I think I have to think that's going to be something that gets brought up. 
Because it seems like a pretty easy fix, right? Everybody, just looking around the conference, almost everybody's going to have at least two home games in September, and most everybody's going to have three, because that's when you're trying to get your non-conference games out of the way. You know? So there's going to be ways to do it. I mean, State and Arkansas is a conference game. Makes sense to put it at 6 o'clock. There can't be a lot of games on September the 19th that have any national significance that early. I mean, I have to look. I don't have the the, the, the composite schedule, but it just makes sense. So we'll see if that happens. But, yeah, the season ticket sales, and it's not, we'll never know the number, but they're going to be down. And they would be down if State had won seven games this year and, and Moorhead wasn't, you know, there wasn't any any suspense about his job set. They're just going to be down because it's a bad schedule next year. Yeah. You know, every other year, this is where it's going to be in. But then you combine that with your Power Five, your good non-conference game is away this year, and your East team coming in isn't Georgia, Florida, Tennessee. It's it's Missouri. It's just how it is. So, Can I ask you a question? Yeah. If you were John Cohen, mm-hmm. that may not be fine. I don't want to put you on the spot like that. Cause, I mean, Would we, I we fired him? Joe. Yeah. If you don't want to answer that question, don't answer that question. Because <laughs> I don't know if I want to answer that question. I, 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 if I'm John Cohen, I understand what it means to be a coach. And I understand what it means that, you know, if, if you haven't lost your players and you're, you know, you feel like you have, you have a good plan going forward and your recruiting is still pretty good, you should be okay. All right? It'd be another thing if it was just open revolt. And the players were just completely, you know, you go to that egg bowl and there's like five personal fouls, and you're having a bunch of decommits. That that's when you got to think, okay, maybe the ship is sinking. You know, you 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 hired this guy, and you bought into his plan, and then you tell him, okay, well, that's enough. Two two years is enough. I mean, I, I get why that's a tough decision to make. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I don't know one way or the other. Because I don't have the information John Cohen has either. You yeah. Know? You know, I don't know. You mentioned boosters and stuff. I don't know who was calling him and telling him, like, we're going to hold out money or, you know, however it works. So I, I don't know. My, my first, in, my gut inclination goes, I wouldn't have fired him. But I would have understood either. I understand yeah, both that, sides. I I'm, understand both sides. I am firmly, like, straddling the fence here. Yeah. Like, I really am. I get I get why he's staying. And if he if we were doing a show today saying he was gone, I would get why we were talking about that, too. And and I maintain, I've said it a million times, and I'll say it again. Like, if you made me bet and guess today, I kind of think we may be discussing a coaching change next year at this time. Like, I've said that before. Because I haven't really seen anything from from Joe that makes me confident that he is going to improve things. So, but then then again, if I'm John Cohen, I, it is just so tough to pull that trigger when you look at what State was able to do when they had the Tudor Gate Ten, mm-hmm. and 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 he did play have all kind of quarterback issues because of injury and true freshman. I mean. I, I don't know. It, it's a coin toss. It, it just it just is. And uh, anyway, we're going to be here to cover it one way or the other. We'll so uh, we'll, we'll we'll be talking about it for the next year. And of course, uh, Sunday of next week, we will be talking about the bowl game. And that's what we're going to do also tomorrow. Tomorrow show, we're going to look at the SEC bowl slate. We're going to try to figure out as best we can uh, the matchups where states headed. I think it's a three horse race, and one of them's way out in front. But we'll talk about all that tomorrow. Plus, I want to talk a little bit more about women's basketball on tomorrow's show. They had a really good showing uh, out there in Canada this past week. Looked really, really good, even in defeat on uh, on Saturday night. 
Uh, they, they they look they they look the part uh, against a really good Stanford team. Wherever State goes, I just my only question is what for the bowl? Yes, have you uh, have you scouted out the restaurant scene ahead of time? Well, here's the thing: there are three places I've already been. Oh, okay. So we we got a veteran here. Yeah, you know, I lived in Memphis. I know my way around That's there. Right. Nashville, uh, you've Nashville, been plenty. I've been plenty of times, and then Houston. I know where we're going as well. So yeah. I don't think there the only the only place I wouldn't be able to get us around right now is Charlotte. And my guess is it won't be too difficult to figure out. I've been there. Well, you might have some some ideas then, but we'll figure all that out. Uh, we'll know for sure next Sunday, but we'll talk about it on tomorrow's show. Uh, we'll try to get an idea of where state's headed and who they would might be faced up against uh, in those situations. You guys have a great Monday and Joel will be I'll be back with you on tomorrow. Uh, for Joel T. Coleman. Woo. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.